we note the judgment of the high court in that regard and we as the EFF are going to appeal that judgment we would not think that the judge reached a correct conclusion in terms of the facts that are on the table because we released a political statement to say that Trevor Manuel was never supposed to participate in interviewing SARS commissioner one in secret but two uh, of a person who is his personal friend. That is that is the, the point which we had highlighted. And in his response papers, Trevor Manuel admits that uh, the current SARS commissioner is his friend and he actually uh, accused himself during the interview, although he did not leave the room, but later on formed part of the adjudication of who becomes SARS commissioner. And that is the point that we're trying to raise. And we do not think that it is correct for a court of law to suppress political parties' freedom of speech and expression. We should be able to identify wrongdoings and wrong practices in the public service, in the in the carrying out of public duties. So that, that observation, we firmly believe and, and still stand by the fact that our observations are correct. There's nothing false, there's nothing defamatory that we have said as the EFF. And uh, we are going to appeal the judgment. We're going to appeal the judgment until the highest court in South Africa. We're not going to be uh, rushed into apologizing for correct observations. So when you say that um, he should not have uh, been interviewed in private, what exactly are you talking about? Look, in the manner in which the process of selecting a SARS commissioner was set out, the, uh, the Minister of Finance appointed a panel and, and, and that panel interviewed people not uh, in, in public. You know, when the NDPP, the National Director of Public Prosecutions, was interviewed, uh, members of the media were allowed to even make assessment of each candidate that came uh, for the interviews. But in the case of SARS Commissioner, media was not allowed. It was not open to the public to check who is the most suitable candidate for the position of SARS commissioner. And we raised that in the Standing Committee on Finance. When Nugent came to the Standing Committee on Finance to present the commission's uh, report, we raised the, the issue of secret interviews. We wrote to the president. We wrote to the minister of finance. We actually spoke about it in the debate on SONA that why are you interviewing SARS commissioner in secret? Why is it not an open and transparent process? That is what we had always highlighted. And uh, later on, uh, in terms of the Minister of Finance did not respond, the President didn't respond, and no one gave uh, accountability in terms of why the SARS commissioner was interviewed in secret. I guess part of the reasons why that was handled in that way was because Tramanuel knew that he was going to be exposed, that the proximity between him and the current SARS commissioner was going to become public knowledge. And a lot of people were going to even bring to the attention of the public that they've got very close relationships, they do things together, and so on and so forth. So it's one of the things that uh, we highlighted in our statement, and we still stand by that. Mm. And, and, and this is what, uh, of course, was deemed to be defamatory. But what exactly is your consternation with regard to the relationship between Kisweta and Manuel? Look, it's simple, basic principle, universally, that you cannot be involved in a in a process that uh, seeks to appoint your friends. Like, if you are a part of a panel that is going to interview uh, different people, so if the, your friend is going to be part of those who are being interviewed, you must automatically excuse yourself. It actually amounts to nepotism. 
when you participate in the selection of a person who is very close to you. That is why in, in all public service you must declare who is your wife, who are your children, who are your cousins, who are your friends, so that you are not in a conflictual relationship. And we believe very strongly that Trevor Manuel was in a conflictual relationship. He was not supposed to participate in the selection of a SARS commission. Why is this problematic? Because as friends go, if I have a friend, you know, uh, somewhere who go comes and applies for a job at the SABC, and I'm just putting this as an example, you know, um, if we are friends, uh, as, as, as friendships go, why is that problematic for the job that the person is going to render as SARS commissioner in this instance? You know, Sakina, the revenue collector is a very important institution which has got enforcement powers in certain instances, which deals with huge businesses and huge business interests. Trevor Manuel is involved in huge business interests as a chairperson of a of old mutual he represents the rothschilds here in south africa he is part of the board of the rothschilds here in south africa huge business interest he can be involved in selecting a sars commissioner who ultimately must collect maximum revenue from all these businesses including the rothschild and including whoever trevor manuel has got the relationship with so a sars commissioner must not be appointed in a dodgy way, it must be appointed in a transparent way by people who are not conflicted. Because at the end of the day, the SARS commissioner must act with fairness, with consistency. But if he knows that someone did him a favor because of their proximity, he's most possibly going to tiptoe around such individuals when he has to deal with huge corporate crime that happens around tax avoidance and illicit financial flows. And that is one of the things that we got to highlight that the people who are available for SARS position must be beyond reproach, one, but also the people who are involved in appointing such people must not be conflicted, must not be having overt business interest that later on will be conflictual with SARS. That is basically the principle that we're articulating. So the judgment uh, obviously seeks for you uh, to actually remove that uh, particular statement that impugned uh, Mr. Manuel, so we are not going to remove uh, the statement of the EFF in the website of the EFF until the highest court in the land has instructed us to do so. So you're going, going to, to take this on appeal? We're going to appeal until the highest court in South Africa. We're going to defend our right to express our observations. We're going to defend our right to make observations on areas which we think certain things were done wrongly. And it is only the Constitutional Court which is going to instruct us to apologize and to remove the statement. Now we're going to the next level of the court to appeal. And then if the next court refuses, we're still going to go to the other levels of the court as well to appeal until our freedom of expression and the freedom to make observations about wrongdoing is protected. Because if courts are going to muzzle political parties, who is going to be the voice of the people? Who is going to expose corruption? Who is going to speak on behalf of the voiceless people? So this court, the immediate and urgent uh, 
ruling that was handed down today is wrong and we we, 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 are, we are sure it's wrong and we believe that the, an upper court will, will reach a different conclusion. And I see the judgment does speak to that. It speaks to, you know, weighing up uh, these conflicting uh, rights as well, the right to freedom of expression, freedom of speech, and uh, it still comes to the conclusion that it does, uh, does the court in this instance. So um, they have taken it into consideration. Uh, yeah, that is what courts do. You know, there are lots of court judgments that get overturned on, on a constant basis. That is why we've got a Supreme Court, uh, Supreme Court of Appeal, uh, and 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 we believe now that the the court judgment was rushed. One, two, it's wrong. Mm. So it also states that uh, uh, there should be an apology from the EFF, um, and uh, I take it you will not be issuing. We are not apology. going to apologize to Trevor Manuel. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. It will require the highest court in the land to instruct us to do that. But for now, there's no apology which is going to come to Trevor Manuel. must forget. And it also states that you should uh, refrain from further making further such uh, statements that may impugn. Look, the, uh, this is the context. Once we appeal the judgment of the court today, that judgment is set aside until a different court, an upper court, has reached a different conclusion. So whatever the court has said today doesn't hold water until there's been a different finding. So in the court, in the in the in the instance of courts, that is what happens. But in the instance of public protector rulings and findings, it's a different uh, regime and, and discourse altogether. That is why the constitutional court says. Uh, the remedial action and, and, and of the public protector are binding until they've been set aside by a court, not until there's been an application. But in our case, immediately we lodged the application to appeal. Those findings of the court are set aside and they are meaningless. Speaking of the public protector, and uh, many people have uh, used the term uh, the EFF flip-flopping on their position regarding the public protector. Talk to us about that and, 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 and where you stand and why you have uh, taken that particular stance with regard to the office of the public protector. Do you know one thing which is the most dynamic and most powerful thing about the economic freedom fighters is that when you do right, we'll tell you that you are right. When you do wrong, we'll tell you that you are wrong. So we're not flip-flopping. It's people who are observing that if you act uh, against the law, against the constitution, if you engage in things that seek to undermine the constitution and the law, we'll tell you immediately. And if you do right, we'll appreciate that you're doing right now. So we do not, we do, we're not fanatics of anyone. Mm. We're not fanatics of anyone. So when we made an observation about the public protector in the past, was to say that there is this case of the Estina Dairy Farm uh, in Friede. And why are you exonerating the Guptas when they were directly involved in the whole project? Why are you exonerating Zwane? Why are you in exonerating Ace Mahashul? And we were concerned about that. And also the other legal basis that we actually were concerned about was the manner in which she prescribed the remedial action on the APSA issue and everything there. We don't agree with APSA. We think APSA is part of the capitalist problem in South Africa. But the manner in which she had said that 
we instruct parliament to change the constitution to look like this. We then say she's now overreaching her powers. And then in 2017, we say that it looks like she doesn't understand the powers of the public protector and she's therefore not suitable in 2017. But there's since been marked improvement in terms of her a, a judgment in terms of her observations, in terms of her attending to even cases of ordinary people. So if you check the number of rulings that she gives in relation to municipalities, in relation to issues that are not high profile, there's been a market the difference in terms of what happens. But and is we she are now saying suitable? now, yes, and now, 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 we're now saying that it, in, in the manner in which it is, we carry an obligation, all of us, all of us as South Africans, to protect and defend the office of the public protector because it can be politicians that instruct for the removal of a public protector on the basis of her findings, which are not even set aside by courts. I see Business Unity South Africa, Business Leadership Association, and all of these reactionary right-wing organizations of Pravin Godana saying the public protector must be removed because of a finding that has not been set aside by court. That is undemocratic. Mm. It's against the constitutional principles. They are avenues through which a, such a judgment can be set aside. But you can't just now rush to remove a public protector. What is going to happen to those who are going to succeed the public protector, the incumbent? They are going to be very scared of politicians that if I rule against this one, uh, this is going to be career limiting and, 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 mm. and they will then be scared. It will just dissolve the office altogether. So let me get clarity. 2017, you thought she wasn't fit for office and now you say there's been a marked improvement yes. in her performance. Yes. Is she now fit for office? She is. She's definitely fit for office and she's not going anywhere. So is she's this, not going is this anywhere. a case of my enemy's enemy is my friend? No, it's never, it's never about that. Do you know, this is it's as simple as that. It's as simple as this. It's like when you say someone is a drunkard because you see them drunk every day. So if you can see that they have stopped drinking alcohol for six months, for 12 months, they are not doing that, they're not drinking alcohol, it, it, it has changed, their lives have changed. You can't continue to refer to them as a drunkard. That will be irrational on your part. It, it will, it's foolishness to keep on making same observations even when circumstances have changed. We can't do that. Like, we can't, like, we welcomed, let me tell you now that we welcomed uh, Ramaphosa as the president of South Africa. We said we wish him well. Uh, he must take South Africa to prosperity and all of those things. The electorate in South Africa has voted for him. But if he acts against the law, we can't fold our arms. We'll expose him. Will fight against him with everything. And you cannot say that because we congratulated him, we supported him before, now we're bound to that. It's irrational. It doesn't make sense that every time you make one observation about a person, you cannot change that observation. Even when that person has changed, their morals have changed, the manner in which they operate, that is not uh, consistent with how politics operate. Unfortunately, when people change, will always change to then make different observations according to how they've changed themselves. And just finally, uh, with regard to the cabinet appointments, uh, what stood out for you uh, and what is your initial reaction to it? Look, our initial reaction is that the cabinet is still bloated. The, uh, the, like, to still have more than 60 people in the executive, it's irrational. It doesn't make sense. And we highlight the fact that South Africa is in a budget deficit of more than 200 billion rands.
we've got a debt that is approaching 60% of the GDP. We do not have money. The state doesn't have money, objectively. State-owned companies are in huge debts of like, trillions of rands. And how do you now continue to expand and, and bloat a cabinet, which in many instances is useless? Why do we have deputy ministers who do not have any functions? That is one of the things that we're complaining about and we will never agree with. And we do not agree with the inclusion of Pravin Godan because he has violated the constitution.